Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Raw Prospect Podcast. My name is Emmy Nixon. This is episode 64. And joining me as always from Austin, Texas, the stat king himself, Michael Wing. What is up, man? Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am doing well. I hope all of um I hope everyone's doing well. Um Welcome to episode 64. It's a big one. Today we are doing, we are 12 days out from the 2021 NFL draft and we are doing our first ever um, alternating pick first round mock draft. So we're going to go through the full first round. Uh, Emmy is going to take the odd picks. I will take the even picks, Uh, but there is a catch and that catch um, comes um, near the bottom of the top 10. I will be picking eight and nine so that Emmy can pick for his Cowboys at 10 and he will pick 11 as well. But other than that, it'll be just a normal alternating mock draft where I pick the even numbers and he picks the odds. So let's, wait, let, let's waste no time. Let's get into this. Um, Emmy Nixon has the first pick. Um, All right. Let me put my GM hat on. Yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars, soon to be London Jaguars, maybe. Not really. Um, Okay. The first overall pick, we're going with Trevor Lawrence. Pretty self-explanatory there. That's that's been basically the, the for sure thing, the entire process of this draft. So... Uh, we'll move on to the second pick for you, New York Jets. I forgot to mention, um, oh. I have a spreadsheet going before we get right. to that. And so if I'm looking over here, every time we make a selection, I will be typing in the selection to the spreadsheet so that we can keep track of who's picked who and kind of who's off the board, that type of thing. Right. So – that's what I'm doing as of now. But with the second pick in the 2021 Raw Prospect Podcast NFL Draft 1.0, um, the New York Jets will be selecting Zach Wilson, quarterback from BYU. And the reason I have my doubts about him, as does as do many people. I mean, if you look at him, some of the concerns, um, he's not – built ideally for an NFL quarterback. And that brings on some, you know, durability concerns at the next level, you know, taking a lot of hits could, could hurt him. Um, And sometimes he tends to rely on his arm a little too much, but everyone, all the scouts, all the analysts, all the reporters are saying the draft starts at three with San Francisco Um, Zach Wilson is pretty much a lock to the Jets at number two, especially now that they just recently traded away Sam Darnold. So this is definitely going to be a quarterback and 99% chance it'll be Zach Wilson. So I wasn't going to waste any time trying to argue for Justin Fields at this spot. Um, And I just went with Zach Wilson. Right. And Zach Wilson, um, he like, went all under the radar basically that entire college football year. I mean, there was a little smidgen of thought to where they might have a chance at the playoff, but 
once they lost to Coastal Carolina, it was it was all done for BYU. Um, but he had a fantastic year. I mean, right. He, let, me, let me add something. Sorry to right, interrupt. Right. He ranked top. He ranked top three nationally in several um, passing categories, including yards, um, about thirty seven hundred yards, touchdowns, thirty three, completion percentage. An astounding 73.5%. So he's very accurate. He understands ball placement and he's a very good thrower of the deep ball, which um, should translate well at the next level. Um, and he also ranked um, in the top three in yards per attempt. So he was throwing the ball downfield, which we also like to see in quarterback prospects. Um, so I have my doubts, but I think that will be the pick for the Jets at number two. So now this is where I think the real draft starts with San Francisco at three. So Emmy, who are you taking the number three overall pick? Right. And um, this is one I had to think about a little bit. I, I, I'm going to go Justin Fields here. Number three pick. I, I think um, the problem with uh, assuming that the 49ers are going to take pick Matt Jones is a lot of people are ignoring the fact that that could all just be a smoke screen. And honestly, that's what I think it is. I think, I don't think they would have moved up to three if they were just going to get Mac Jones. I think if they were going to get Mac Jones, I think they could have afforded to move to maybe six or seven, somewhere in that range. Um, But moving all the way up to three, giving up all those picks, um, I just, you got to be sure that you're getting a guy who has elite potential. Uh, Mac Jones, he he has the ability to be a starting quarterback right now, a solid starting quarterback right now, but so does Justin Fields. The difference to me between these two prospects, two prospects is the athleticism um, and just the arm talent and arm strength. Um, it, it just – separates them slightly and Justin Fields has the higher ceiling to me. Mac Jones has a high floor, um, but Justin Fields has the much higher ceiling. So if you you're going up to number three, you got to get the guy with the elite upside because if you can get that elite quarterback play with the roster that you already have in place, then that's well worth it. I agree with that pick. Very good pick there. Okay, so with the Falcons at number four, um, they have a lot of a lot of means, mainly on defense. But of course, um, there's not a defensive prospect that I value this highly. Um, I think the wise thing to do for the Falcons would be to see if they can um, get some offers and trade down, acquire more picks, just because of the amount of needs that they have. I don't see them taking a quarterback here. Um, I think the move would be either to trade out or just take the next best player available that's not a quarterback, and that would be Kyle Pitts. So I'm going to take Kyle Pitts to add to an already very good stable of receiving talent down there in Atlanta with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. And I'm going to add a versatile tight end slash wide receiver, a guy who can move around the formation, who's versatile, has elite pass catching skills, um, didn't drop a single ball all of last year, led Florida in all the possible receiving categories you can name. 
Uh, he has a very large catch radius, which is also something we look for in prospects, special athleticism. Um, the only real knocks on Kyle Pitts are that he's a little bit lean and could put on some weight and he's not the best blocker in the world. Um, but um, that will come, you know, I think that those skills will improve um, given that he'll be in the weight room constantly at this next level. And um, he'll probably be asked to block some, but not a whole lot because they have other tight ends capable of, of blocking. And so I think they'll be able to mask some of his weaknesses. Um, I, I know that Atlanta already has two very good receivers and, you know, they probably will likely trade down, but I don't see how you can pass up on Kyle Pitts. They're saying he's a generational talent just because of his versatility and his, his athleticism for a guy his size. Um, you just restructured Matt Ryan's contract. Um, for two more years. So why not give him all the help that he needs in the world um, with a generational prospect? Right, exactly. And in the last mock we did, we did 10 picks, I believe. I, right. I actually, I made the choice to not select Kyle Pitts at four. And honestly, I regret that. I, I went back and watched, um, uh, that franchise guy, he, he's a YouTuber that I watch a lot of draft content with. With He um, he did a film breakdown, and within, like, the first two plays, he just – this guy just has it. it just, it's hard to explain. He just got it. Like, every single – every single, like, play is an opportunity for him to just break loose and score. That's, that's just what it felt like. It, it felt like he was just playing against little boys out there and getting an athlete, just getting the, a player with that level level of talent. Um, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. So right. really good pick there. I, I definitely agree with that pick. I, I've changed my opinion. And you're not really going to be able to double team him um, right. because they have so many other weapons. So um that's just another thing to think about. But on to the number five pick with the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. And this is a no-brainer. I, I, I think I got to go with the offensive lineman. If I look, at, I look at the offensive lineman on the board, it's Rashad Bateman, Rashad Bateman Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater. Oh, why did I say Rashad Bateman? I meant to say Rashawn Slater. But Rashawn Slater, Penny Sewell. I'm going with Penny Sewell. Um, there was, uh, some stories that, uh, some teams didn't like some of Penny Sewell's like off field stuff, like work ethic, that type of thing. Um, but I, I think you just want to get the best tackle possible right away. And Penny Sewell will step in and be a top. 10 tackle in the NFL, in my opinion. So, uh, I mean, he's, he's just a stud. He's just, once he gets his hands on you as a, as a defensive lineman, you're done. Like you can't get away from him. Like he's just too big. So uh, that's yeah, a no brainer pick for me. He's a mauler and they need to protect Joe Burrow, especially coming off an injury as serious as this one. Um, you can't afford to not, 
um, protect him at all costs. Um, and they do have some good pieces on that offensive line, but just um, fortify it with one of the best prospects we've seen at the offensive line position, maybe since um, what's his name for the Colts, Quentin Nelson, um, who was drafted, you know, a couple years back or whatever. So that's what they're saying at least. Um, so good, good pick there. Um, he'll, he'll be a day one starter. Um, I don't think the character issues will be too much of a problem. I don't really buy into that. Right. I, I, um, I don't either. Um, and I think um, you, you hate to pass him up. Um, even though Slater's another really good prospect, you hate to pass up Penny Sewell. Right. So exactly. Let me, let me just type that in real fast. Okay. So for Miami at number six, um, they at they have a they have a roster that's ready to contend for the playoffs. They won ten games last year, but obviously they made a lot of trades um, in the past couple of years. So they've acquired, you know, a lot of picks. Um, they're also picking at eighteen. So I'll, I'll make another selection for them when we get down to that position. But for this one, um, by trading out of the number three selection, they basically told us that they're sticking with two attack at Viola. Um, I think they could go offensive line here, but I'm going with the best receiving prospect in the draft with Jamar Chase. I know that they added um, a couple receivers, I believe, in free agency with the likes of Will Fuller, and they have a couple other guys, solid receivers. But I think you got to go out and get a for sure day one playmaker uh, uh, in Jamar Chase from LSU. Now, he was one of those guys like Penny Sewell who opted out of the 2020 season. But when last seen on a college football field against some of the best um, defensive prospects, cornerbacks that we see on a day to day basis in the NFL, um, he was. Um, one of the best players on the field. He, uh, in 2019, he was voted a unanimous All-American, and he set single-season SEC records. Think about this. With all the great receivers that have come out of the SEC, single-season SEC records for receiving yards with 1,780 and touchdowns, 20 in that season. Now, it did help that he had, you know, he was on possibly the best offense in college football history that year um, with that LSU offense with Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, all those guys. But I think for Miami, if you're going to stick with Tua, um, go out and get them some playmakers because the other playmakers they have um, do have their fair share of injury concerns. And I, I just think they should, they should go out and get a day one, possibly number one overall, um, he has that potential um, to be a number one receiver. Just go out and get get this guy. Playmaker, um, strong acceleration, gear change, elite after-the-catch ability, elite toughness, can go up and get those 50-50 balls. Basically can do a little bit of everything. So I won't drag on too long, um, but right. that's my and, pick. And one interesting thing about Jamar Chase is we saw Justin Jefferson – come off of that LSU team that won that national championship and dominate in the NFL. 
but he wasn't the best receiver on that team. Jamar Chase was. So it'll be really interesting to see what he's able to do in the NFL because he was dominant in that national championship run. He was Joe Burrow's number one target. And I think one of his most underrated traits is just his ability to track the football on those back shoulder plays. He had so much chemistry with Joe Burrow specifically. um, But like, I think he can obviously develop that with his whoever he ends up with. But just having that ability to adjust in the when the ball's in the air, that's right. not as easy as it as it's as what wide receivers make it seem. So right. It's a good pick there. Um, okay, so uh number seven pick is the Detroit Lions. So this this is an interesting spot. Um, so they just traded for Jared Goff, right? So they have their quarterback, presumably, for at least a year, I'd say. Um, I was thinking uh, it would be great if for Detroit if they could go defensive line or defensive edge, but this is not that great of an edge class, and I think that would be a bit of a reach at seven. So for me, it was between – cornerback Patrick Sertan and the two Alabama wide receivers, Jalen Waddle and Travis Etienne. Um, you could go Micah Parsons linebacker, but um, I was a little bit hesitant there since um, you want to uh, jumpstart the offense and, and build the culture. Uh, that's, that's first and foremost. Um, so, I actually, um, when I was doing prep, I didn't write down any uh, players that I was going to pick. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to do something that I was not planning on doing at all. I'm going to take Rashawn Slater, and I'm just going to, if I'm Detroit, I'm establishing establishing myself as a physical football team, running the football, just dominant up front. They already have a pretty good offensive line. But if you have a shot, you throw in your Sean Slater in there, maybe move a couple guys around and you establish that as your elite position group, you can build your team from there. Um, I, I think that's the right foundation that you need to have. I think you can get defensive line later in this draft. And obviously you already have Jeff Okuda at cornerback. So that wasn't as big of a need. Um, so Offensive line here, uh, Rashawn Slater, North, out of Northwestern. Uh, good pick. Um, something I really didn't see coming when I was planning my picks. Right. Um, so now I have picks at eight and nine. Emmy will have picks ten and eleven. Um, I did have Carolina at number eight taking Rashawn Slater, Ooh. but Detroit <laughs> slid up and took him. So now I'm kind of stuck in a stuck in a pickle here. Um, as far as Carolina goes, um, offensive line and wide receiver were sort of the needs that I uh, that jumped off the page to me. I think now that Slater's off the board, I'm not sure you would reach for a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker or Tevin Jenkins or Christian Derrissaw here at number eight position. Um, I think their offensive line is pretty solid. I do think they could add one more piece, but – um, given that you took Slater, who was probably the the most fit 
to go in the top 10 other than Sewell. I'm thinking, and they went, they went out in free agency. They added some defensive talent. Um, they obviously drafted all defense last year. Um, so I don't think you really need to go defense here. Uh, I think I'm going to go with one of the Bama wide receivers here to add to young receiving core um, with DJ Moore and um, I forgot who else they brought in, but I think they do need some um, receiving depth given that they lost Curtis Samuel. Um, people have their concerns about Devontae Smith and rightfully so. Um, he hasn't worked out yet and people have concerns about his weight and his durability at the next level. I think I'm going to go Jalen Waddle, the wide okay. receiver out of Alabama for, for um, the Carolina Panthers. So let me just type that in real fast. I didn't have any notes on him, but when he last played, he was unbelievable. Um, I think He'll be a good death piece. Um, he has the speed, um, the physicality um, to succeed at the next level. Um, I don't think I don't know if he's a number one or not, but he'll be a good piece to add um, for the Panthers. Um, so for the Broncos at nine, um, they have needs. I think they're one of the more like well-rounded football teams, given. Um, except, you know, for the most important position, which is quarterback. And um, Drew Locke obviously hasn't, you know, shown us that he can be a, a good quality NFL starting quarterback. Um, he ranked bottom three in a lot of um, passing categories, including um, quarterback rating, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, he was one of the worst in pretty much every statistical category. Um, I think they could add some cornerback depth. I have a concern for them at middle linebacker, um, but I think since Trey Lance is sitting there at nine, um, I, I think I'll go with Trey Lance um, to come in and compete with Drew Locke. Um, so okay. that was, that'd be my pick for Denver. At okay. That's nine. a fun, that's a fun pick right there. I think, um, that would be a fun – if they ended up making that pick, I think that would be a fun team to have uh, hard knocks on. Just just uh, highlighting that competition would be really interesting. And also the some of the um, personalities in that locker room. But right. um, what's, your, what's your take on Trey Lance just overall? I mean, I, I haven't watched the guy um, in terms of like a full game. I've watched some of his tapes, some of his highlights. And from what I've – heard about him it seems like he's just a mystery because he the offense that North Dakota State ran was a power running scheme where it seemed like he was only throwing like about 17 to 20 times a game so it's it's yeah. a interesting prospect I get some of the concerns I don't think um, they would draft him and ask him to come in and start day one. I still think that Drew Locke um, will be their day one starter. Um, I think, I mean, you're getting all the physical upside. Um, he's an unprecedented evaluation given he hasn't played a lot. 
Um, he only played one game this year due to the COVID restrictions. Not a lot of people got to see him. Doesn't have a lot of tape. Um, but in his sophomore season, um, he completed 67% of his – now, this is against lesser competition, but it's still 67% of his passes, um, 2,800 yards, 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions to go along with over 1,000 rushing yards and 14 touchdowns. So that just shows you, like, he's, he's very heady. Actually was asked to call all of his own pass protections – um, he had to, you know, prepare heavily for each game, call all of his own pass protection. So he's a very smart uh, player. Um, he doesn't really turn the ball over a lot. He's very safe with the football. He right. brings all the physical upside. Um, I think maybe you give Drew Locke another year. Um, we've seen Drew Locke have some injury problems. Um, so if he does, maybe Trey Lance will get playing time. But I think for Denver, it's just all about the upside right now. Um, you have you have a lot of talent on that offense. So I think just bringing in a guy to compete with Drew Locke um, will be a good a good prospect for the Broncos. Right, and, and I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, it seems like every arrow is leaning towards they're going to stick with true lock. But I think if you're the Broncos, go ahead and put the pressure on him, make him like, let him know, like, like this is your team, but you better go out there and perform. Um, and we've, right. um, we've talked about this in the past. Cause I believe we made this pick uh, as well in the other mock draft, but I actually traded up to make that pick. So if they if this ended up like this and they don't have to trade up at all, they don't have to give up anything, that's a huge win for them. Um, so that's a really good pick. And if if the board ends up this way, then I don't see why you don't go with him. You gotta make sure you get your guy, that first and foremost. Right. And now we get to the number 10 pick, the Dallas Cowboys, my favorite team. Um this was the dream scenario. I was just waiting and waiting and waiting to see if you were going to take my guy. And that guy is Patrick Sertan. Um, Patrick Sertan the second, actually. Sorry. Um, so uh, interesting thing. Um, that franchise guy, uh, I'm mentioning him, him again. He actually has him graded out as the third best prospect overall on his grading scale. He, he he's rated as a 7.25 out of eight on his scale, only behind Penny wow. Sewell and Kyle Pitts. Wow. So that's very interesting. Wow. Um, but just if you look at his numbers, he, he allowed 25 yards receiving or fewer in 10 of his 13 games this past year, all SEC defender, obviously. And he has all the tools and he just has – incredible instincts as well um i like his i like that he's tall and has um good length as a cornerback especially since we're going to run that seattle cover three cover one type of scheme um you need that richard sherman type of frame to be able to do that properly so now you pair him up with trevon diggs on the other side and then and then maybe we can 
<laughs> maybe we can do something this year. Um, I think he'll make an immediate impact. I think that's this was just the obvious pick. Yeah, he's a day. He, I think he's a day one starter for sure. Um, good pick there. Um, I think I was kind of expecting that if he if he fell to Dallas. I think that's what a lot of people are. That's where a lot of people have him going is right there to Dallas at uh, number ten. Um, you also have the eleventh pick um, for the division rival, the New York Giants. Right. Um, this is a little bit tougher. Um, you, you got some wide receiver help, obviously in the off season, you're good there. The offensive line. Um, I think you're good at offensive line. I think you can, you can work with what you have. Um, you still have that young left tackle, Andrew Thomas, that you drafted last year. You can continue to develop him. Um, so with this pick, I'm going to be going with. Micah Parsons out of Penn State, the linebacker. Good one. So good one. Um, they have a linebacker that had a really, really good year last year that they acquired from Green Bay. I, I'm not. I can't think of his name right now. It's it's uh it's a Hispanic name. Uh, I don't. I, I don't. I can't think of it right now. But he had a fantastic year last year. But the problem is he's a little bit undersized. So I think he would be very well suited um, moving him over to outside linebacker spot and having Michael Parsons run the middle of that defense. Um, he's a thumper. He he's old school in that way that he just, he's very aggressive defending the run. He, he does bite from time to time to play action, but I think um, for the giants with uh, Joe judges attitude as a coach, He's a guy who doesn't want to give up anything easy. And that starts with stopping the run. And out of this class, he's the best at stopping the run out of this whole entire class. So um, he's a guy who's going to bring that tough mentality that's going to fit with the culture that they've been building. And he's going to make an impact right off the bat. He's just has all of the instincts that you need as a linebacker. And that's a tough position to go into uh, as a rookie and play well. But um, on his tape, he showed that he has the athleticism and the skill to hold his own in coverage and still be able to read and react everything in the backfield. Okay, good pick there. I like that. I like that. I think that's a good spot for Parsons at number 11. Um, and I could see the Giants adding defensive help if they don't go offensive line. But we know Dave Gettleman loves his offensive linemen. So we'll just have to see. Okay. Let's, uh, we're on this run of three straight NFC East teams here. And we approach the Philadelphia Eagles at number, uh, number 12. Um, the Eagles have a lot of needs. Um, we all know that, um, they need, you know, cornerback help, wide receiver help. They could add offensive and defensive line. Of course, you know, some philosophies say build from the inside out. But for Philly here, I think, you know, you could go Devontae Smith sitting there on the board um, at receiver. You could go offensive and defensive line. 
But I think Philadelphia really needs to prioritize the cornerback position. Um, listen to this. In 2021, here's a short list of receivers that Philadelphia will face. Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Terry McLaurin, Kenny Galladay, Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones, Debo Samuels, and I could go on and on. Um, that's a, that. That's about half the list. They face a gauntlet of really good, really good quarterbacks, really good receivers, and you need cornerbacks to be able to defend. And right now, you have Darius Slay, and then that's about it. So um, I think this is the spot where you go J.C. Horn, the cornerback from South Carolina, given that Caleb Farley – who is talented, but has injury concerns. Um, Horn is, I think he's a younger Aqib Talib, put it that way. He's long, he's tall, he's athletic, um, agile athlete, outstanding instincts. Um, he has that competitive bloodiness mentality. Um, he's not going to be phased by anything. You sent me the video about how he's faced so many NFL caliber wide receivers during his time at South Carolina in college. Um, so I don't think he's going to be, I think he's a guy who's going to come in. He's going to compete from day one. He's got day one starter ability as a press man corner, which they really need. Um, and given that they face all these good wide receivers, I think Horn's the guy that can come in. And he's, he's, he's coachable and he's not going to really be scared of anything. Um, He's, it's going to take an adjustment, you know, period. He's going to, you know, to need to refine some of his disciplinary um, skills um, and his finishing skills. Doesn't have, you know, elite ball skills, but um, he'll come in, he'll be a day one starter, and he'll develop. Um, throw him right into the fire and let him face the best of the best right away and add to the cornerback room where they desperately need help. So right. exactly. let me type that in. Um, and you are on the clock with the Los Angeles Chargers. Right. And just one more thing. Um, JC Horn, the, the thing that uh, really stood out to me in that video that you mentioned that I sent you was the story arc that the video showed that he was on. Um, it showed him in his sophomore year going against Alabama. Obviously that year Alabama had Devonta Smith, obviously, and Jalen Waddle, but they also had Henry Ruggs and and um, it was Jerry Judy as well. So four first round possible first rounders uh, at receiver, and he went against all of them in that one game. And he gave up. He got torched. He was he was uh, just just simply he he was not good in that game. But he came back the next year and he changed his technique. And he's, he's using his hands a lot more. He's a lot more physical. And he's using his, um, for lack of a better term, he's using his size a lot better. Um, uh, before, he had a technique where he would follow the receiver. He, uh, he would, like, have, like, below leverage. And then he would try to jump across the route if, if it was coming, cutting inside. But... If you're not able to make the tackle, that's how you get beat, especially when you're playing quick receivers. So now with his different technique, staying up above the receiver, keeping a hand on him, it's, he was a lot more effective 
last season. So really good pick there. Um, unfortunately, it was the Eagles, but oh, well. Uh, okay. The Chargers. Um, this uh, this is going to be an interesting year for the Chargers next year. I mean, going into the second year with Justin Herbert, obviously you have a lot of talent um, on defense. So now I think it's just time to uh, righten up that offensive line, make sure Justin Herbert is steady, ready to go, has some type of protection on, on both tackles. They, they signed a tackle in free agency, but let's, and they also signed a free agent center from the Packers. Um, we mentioned him in the past podcast, um, but I'm going to draft the tackle for the other side of the line, Christian Derisaw out of Virginia Tech. Um, this was a little bit tough because I was looking up and down my board and I saw um, a, a lot of good options, frankly. I mean, this is a team that really you want to just go with the best player available, they, but they just didn't have that luxury. You got to get the offensive line straightened out and you got to make sure Justin Herbert are safe because he's your franchise. Um, it would have been nice for them to uh, get the best player available because there were still some really good players on the board. If I look at my big board here, um, you're talking about like edge rushers starting to get coming to the equation, quitty pay, guys like that. Um, obviously, a lot of good receivers still up, up there on the board as well. So uh, it was it was a tough decision, but I think it's the right move to go offensive line. I like that pick. I really like Derisaw. Um, I think he could be a more like consistent finisher in his blocks at times, but he he shows outstanding um, body control um, and feet for a guy his size. Um, and he also displays fantastic technique. So I think, I think he, he can be a day one starter with some versatility to move along the offensive line and you can play him kind of wherever you need. I really like that pick. Um, so 14, the Minnesota Vikings, um, this is where it started to get really tough. Um, the Vikings, they, uh, I think they're set at pretty much all the offensive skill positions, receiver. Um, they could probably use another tight end, but you wait till the later rounds to do that since there's a huge drop off. They have their running back. Um, they maybe could use a little bit of offensive line help. Um, but for me, um, last year they ranked bottom five in sacks. Um, they were not good at getting to the quarterback um, and making opposing quarterbacks uncomfortable. Um, and other than what's his name, um, I'm blanking. Um, I'll think of it. But they they really they really are in need of pass rush help. I think. Um, I think you could maybe go corner two, but I I think the first edge rusher off the board comes right here. Um, I'm taking. Um, Aziz Ojulari, the edge rusher from Georgia. Um, the Athletic has him ranked as the top edge rushing prospect in this draft. He, um, they compared him to like a younger version of Yannick Ngakwe, which I think is really a really good um, comp. He's 
He doesn't have the ideal body type for pass rushing, but he's got excellent burst, excellent get off. Uh, he understands the game, pass rush geometry, not getting too far up the field. He's got physical hands. He's an explosive athlete. And you can play him in a, in a bunch of different schemes. Um, and he went against some of the best offensive linemen at the college level who will be entering in to the NFL level. So I think he has experience going against NFL level offensive line talent. Um, I really like his athleticism. He's a guy who will come in and I think make an impact right away. Um, there are other good edge rushers here too that you can make an argument for. Um, Quiddy Pay from Michigan is another guy that I considered. Um, there, there are some other guys, Gregory Russo um, from Miami as well, but I went with Ojulari, um, high upside prospect out of Georgia to help the Vikings um, get to the quarterback because you cannot win in this league or it's very hard to win this league when you don't have any pass rush. Um, so they got to get better at that position. So that's what I did. Right. And um, Daniel Hunter is still uh, looking right. like he's going to hold out a little bit. So I think that's a good pick there to, even if he doesn't come back, obviously have your, uh, successor in place and if he does come back have the guy on the other side be a dynamic duo uh, once he develops and gets acclimated with the NFL level so uh, that's a good pick there um, I definitely would go edge for the Vikings because they that was a big need for them so uh, that brings me to the 15th pick the New England Patriots New England Patriots Right. Um, okay, so they have their choice of basically any of the receivers of Rashad Bateman, obviously Devontae Smith still on the board. But I think, uh, I think what they did in terms of getting weapons in the offseason was good enough. Um, I think getting a quarterback, uh, I think getting a quarterback here is warranted. I think getting a getting Mac Jones and securing uh, what could possibly your, be your guy long-term is well worth using that, that first round pick. Um, when I look at this team, I mean, there's, there's really not a lot of holes. They have a really good offensive line, um, solid running game with uh, Damian Harris and uh, what's his other guy, Rex Burkhead. I don't know if he's still there, but, uh, besides the point, really good running game. Obviously, Cam Newton back there as well. Um, and they're just going to pound the football. Like I said in the past podcast, I'm really high on the moves that they made because I think they all all of the moves they made all add up to the plan of pounding the football down the defense's throats. And that's uh, that's a style that wins. I mean, it's not the most flashy. It's not the... It's not the greatest in terms of uh, ratings or whatever, but they they will get the W for you. So, uh, but back to this pick, Mac Jones, um, obviously quarterback out of Alabama. Um, he his uh, comparison for me is got to be Matt Ryan. 
I think he has a lot of the same mannerisms in the pocket. He moves around well within the pocket. He has a decent um, mobility within the pocket. I think that's one of the most underrated traits about him is the fact that he can still elude pressure, even though he's not a runner. Um, And he's really, really accurate. Um, But the thing is he had amazing talent around him. So the question is, can he make the throws in the tight windows and doesn't have the, does he have the arm strength to fit in the throws in the tight windows? Um, That'll be yet to be seen, but that's a perfect spot for him because I know Belichick will put him in a position to succeed. So. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a spot where a lot of mocks have him um, with the Patriots at 15. That's going to be the spot to look at for Mac Jones, I think. Um, and if he drops far, if he drops further than that, um, you're looking at maybe a, a Washington football team, maybe looking for a quarterback, uh, maybe even Chicago um, at 20 could be looking to add to the quarterback room who knows um, but I think the Patriots is a good spot for him as you mentioned so that brings us to the halfway mark of the this mock draft um, I think we'll take a break after a short break after I make this selection for the Arizona Cardinals here at 16 um, for the Cardinals um, obviously they're looking to contend in a tough division, um, the NFC West, the Seahawks, the 49ers, and, of course, the Los Angeles Rams, who added Matt Stafford um, this offseason. Um, I think, you know, they had a solid core of offensive weaponry. I think this might have been, you know, a week ago, this could have been, like, the first spot a team potentially looks at adding, you know, running back talent. But now that they've added James Conner as sort of a depth piece next to Chase Edmonds, a nice little one-two punch provided that both stay healthy. You don't need a running back here. You need to go out and improve that secondary, I think. Um, They have five corners on the roster right now. Two are undrafted and haven't played a single snap in the NFL. One um, one is – Sorry, Robert Alford, who seems to be injured and constantly hurt. And then their other two guys um, are solid, but I think they could add another death piece here. And with Caleb Farley sitting there at 16, I know he has the injury issues, the injury history. But I think as long as his, like, checkups and his health um, checks out, I don't think you can let him slip past 16, um, given that, you're going up against, you know, some of the best receiving cores in the NFL with the Rams, the Seahawks, and of course the 49ers. Um, and he's too talented to pass up. I think I'll have some rough patches early on. And I mentioned injuries are a concern, but he's outstanding. He brings outstanding physical tools, um, natural instincts, outstanding ball skills which I think is something they might be looking for. You know, Patrick Peterson did – no, Patrick Peterson's not there anymore. Right. But, uh, but uh, he projects as, you know, a press man starter with Pro Bowl upside. I don't think you can pass it up. They do need secondary help. I thought about maybe, you know, defensive line, like interior defensive line, but they, they went ahead and um, 
drafted that last year, I think, earlier in the first round with Derek Brown out of Auburn. I'm pretty sure. Um, so I think, uh, and you can find that later on in the draft. Um, but when it comes to quarterback talent, um, I think it drops off after, you know, the first four or five um, prospects at that position. Um, pretty much after Gregory Newsom, I'm not really familiar with any of the other corner prospects in this draft. So um, I think corner is the way to go for Arizona. Um, but with that, Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with Amy um, making the selection at number 17 for the right. Las Vegas Raiders. Right. And before we enter the break, uh, this is the perfect moment to remind you that uh, this show is sponsored by the Patreon. We just, we just made a Patreon um, and we're still trying to figure out what type of bonus content we'll be creating over there. But if you want to support the show, uh, help grow our uh, show um, all the everything we make over there is going to be put into the show to get better equipment to get better setup. Um, so if you if you like our content if you like what we do and you want to support us that's a good way to do it and um, if you do we really appreciate it so with that we'll enter the break here and we'll re be right back with the Las Vegas Raiders pick see ya all right, welcome back, everyone. We are back from our break, and I'm up with the 17th pick here for the Las Vegas Raiders. So um, the Raiders, I'm definitely going to go pass rusher here, and I think I'm going to go with Gregory Rousseau out of, out, out of Miami. Um, here's a guy who um, he opted out of this past year, and – He's a guy who was raw. Um, his, his tape is, is very raw, is the thing. He, he was a freshman, basically. So um, with that in mind, you, you just have to um, take it with a grain of salt that he, he improved since then. And he's, it, I mean, he's had basically a year and a half to build out his body and develop his pass rush moves, even though he hasn't been on the field. So um, just the body of work he was able to pull off just as a freshman was just so impressive. And the fact that he already had that as a freshman just goes to show you how talented this guy is. So, um, and I think, if you're the Raiders, I mean, what do you have to lose? I mean, you got to go with a guy who is, is, has true number one rusher potential. And to me, um, out of the guys on the board, I mean, you could go Quiddy Pay, who's more of a speed guy, uh, but he doesn't have uh, as much power as Gregory Rousseau does. So you want the guy who can be the complete package around the edge. So I, I went with Gregory Rousseau. I really like that pick. High upside um, pick right there. So I'm up at number 18 with the Miami Dolphins. It's their second selection here in the first round. Um, to recap, at number, at number six, I went with Jamar Chase, the wide receiver at, out of LSU. So that, feel, that feels kind of the playmaking need. Um, here, I think they could be looking offensive line to protect Tua or 
Um, we know Brian Flores has a defensive background, and he would love to add, you know, an athletic pass rusher or another linebacker there. Um, here, I'm not sure. I'm kind of unsure of what I want to do, um, but I think I think the best move, if you're really invested in Tua, I think the best move would in since you know Elijah Vera Tucker is sitting right there, I think he'd be hard to pass up on. I think that's what I'm going to do here. Um, I'm going to go with Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, um, a guy who can play pretty much um, versatile, another versatile offensive lineman who can play pretty much any position. I think he'll probably end up being a guard, uh, but he many scouts say he's you know. He, he's one of the more safer um, prospects in terms of like he has a low potential of being a bust. He, he's going to work, I think. Uh, he's got a high floor. Um, I think you have to, if you're going to give Tua another shot, um, you have to protect him given he has injury concerns. He's not, he's not the most mobile quarterback in the world. Um, and I think Barrett Tucker's the, the best prospect here in terms of the offensive line so um, Elijah Vera Tucker to Miami at um, at 18. Okay interesting pick there um, this guy I mean he's amazing in the run game I mean he he's fantastic so um, I think he can he has some room to develop as a uh, pass pro guy but um Obviously, in that Miami system, I mean, we've seen a lot of guys develop really well under that uh, tutelage of Brian Flores and that coaching staff. So that's a good spot for him. I think I think he could really flourish there. Okay, um, number 19 pick, uh, Washington football team. It seems like I've had all of the NFC East teams, weird, but um, – Number 19th pick, um, they can go a couple different directions here. I mean, they they have some options. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, a lot of quarterbacks have already come off the board. So I, I yep. kind of ruled that out here. Um, but I, I think knowing that this organization is moving to try to win with defense, and I think – um, with signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think they know that they're going to have to lean on their defense. So I'm going to go ahead and get Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa out of Notre Dame, linebacker. Um, I mean, here's a guy who a lot of draft boards have him as the top linebacker, not Michael Parsons. So, I mean, he is a guy who a lot of people are – very um, hit or miss on him. Like the, a lot of varying opinions on this guy. I mean, he's, he's got um, elite athleticism and he's got all the statistics and words you could ask for of, a, of your linebacker. Um, and if you look at that Notre Dame defense, these last couple of years, he's been the guy in the middle running that defense. So um, his body of work is extremely impressive. 
and you throw him in in that Washington football team uh, uh, back or uh, secondary, not really, but front seven is what I meant to say. I can't talk today. But you throw him in that front seven, you already have obviously an elite front four of all first round picks. Um, you throw him in there and he could just attack basically because you know those guys up front are going to win. So he can just go and plug up the holes. And in that role where he's just flying around the field, he will be perfect because he's got the speed to go sideline to sideline. Good one. Good one. I really like that pick. And given Ron Rivera's history, um, I think Owusu Karamoa is one of those guys who just needs to be put into the right system, the right scheme. And I think he fit um, really well uh, as a versatile kind of middle of the field linebacker um, that a guy that I think uh, Ron Rivera will really, really like to develop and work with. Um, so good pick there for the Washington football team. They're going to have a really good defense um, for the bears at number 20. Um, we're almost, you know, to that, or we're entering the playoff teams of last year, I guess. Um, the Bears barely slid into the playoffs, obviously got rocked by New Orleans in the wild card game, but we all expected that. Um, no more Mitch Trubisky. Um, they brought in Andy Dalton, um, to fill that void. Uh, questionable decision in my opinion, but it is what it is. And they're obviously not going to reach on a quarterback here. If they were set on, you know, taking a quarterback, they may trade up, I think. Maybe for like a guy like Mac Jones, but I don't see that happening. Um, I think they gotta protect Andy Dalton. Um, I think that I think they're solid on defense. Um, that's really the strength of their football team. Um, they did lose Kyle Fuller, so maybe cornerback could be in the in the conversation here. You have uh, Gregory Newsom the next best corner on the board in many people's eyes from Northwestern. But I think um, you got to go offensive line. They have a void at right tackle and Tevin Jenkins um, from Oklahoma state, I think would fill that void fantastically. Um, he played naturally on the right side um, in his career at Oklahoma state. He's got unique power. He's got a competitive demeanor about him that just kind of like speaks Chicago. He's got that Chicago tough toughness mindset, really consistent in finishing his blocks. Um, big guy, good in pass protection, good in the run game, the next best tackle on the board. I think he fills that right tackle void perfectly. Um, so I think he's a little underrated. I didn't, don't think a lot of people are talking about him, but I think, you know, if he were to even slide to my Steelers, uh, I think my Steelers might, you know, think about it. Um, he's one of those underrated guys that we could look back on and say, oh my gosh, he turned into a pro bowler and no one really expected him to. I think he has that type of potential. Um, so go ahead and protect, build, um, build the inside. Um, first and then build, you know, inside out. Um, so Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle, Oklahoma State for the Bears at 20. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting pick there. I like that pick. Um, I know we basically said that about every pick here, but I mean, 
this class is really just so deep in so at so many positions really i mean i mean for a lot of these picks for these football teams that when you get to these 15 to 30 range i mean you just got to take the best player available basically um so you really can't go wrong uh so with that being said uh here the next pick will be the indianapolis colts at 21 okay uh the Colts just had their left tackle retire, um, but my pick that I was looking at at Tevin Jenkins, it, you just went up and stole him. Uh, so now I'm thinking I might get a wide receiver because okay. if you look at uh, the Colts wide receiver room, they have T.Y. Hilton, obviously the veteran, Um been there a long time, really uh, just consistent. Uh, Dexter Pittman, I'm not sure what he is yet. I mean, he had a really solid year last year, um, a little bit underrated, a little bit of an underrated year, if you ask me. Um, but uh, I think you could add a depth piece here. I think there's a lot of really good players on the board. Um, but I think – this pick might surprise you. I'm going to go with Rondale Moore out of Purdue. Um, Wait a minute. Over Devontae Smith? Oh, shoot. He's still on the board? Yeah. I thought he was already t- – oh, shoot. Okay. Then that's a no-brainer. I'm taking Devontae Smith. I. Oh, my goodness. That that makes me rethink some of these other picks that I made. I, I mean <laughs> – uh, Actually, I mean, I mean, I could argue for picking him at any of these spots, but also, I mean, I mean, yeah, I think, I think, I think it's okay that he fell. I, I don't think he'll fall in real life like this, um, but I guess that's just how it it turned out in my board. I I just forgot about him. I thought that I guess that's my mistake, um, but that that's an easy pick. Devontae Smith, wow. The Heisman Trophy winner uh, falls to 21 to the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, you throw him in there. Um, I mean, Carson Wentz, he's just going to have a field day. I mean, if you look at Devontae Smith, I mean, he's a guy who he's just a technician as a route runner. And I mean, you see it more and more now. I mean, obviously, you want a guy with elite speed and, and size and everything like that. I mean, obviously you have questions about his size, but um, he just is a insane work ethic. He is just a insane work ethic guy. If you just look at the way he runs routes and the way he understands uh, sitting in the holes of defenses and all of the little technical things of being a wide receiver, he has mastered all of them. So, I mean, if he stays healthy, I mean, I don't see a scenario where he's not productive. I mean, he could have um, top 10, top 15 receiver potential. So that's a no-brainer pick. Yeah. You know, it's interesting with these mock drafts. In every mock draft, it seems, you know, you go on those mock draft simulators, there's always a surprise guy who always seems to drop. Um, and you know, with the amount of talent in this year's draft, 
it wouldn't surprise me if one of these guys that either, you know, we picked earlier or that we picked now um, drops uh, more than expected. So, uh, you know, a Smith there, it's fantastic value, obviously. Might be the steal of the draft for the Colts. Um, and a guy as smart as, um, what's his name, the, the general manager for Indianapolis, Chris Ballard, um, isn't going to pass up a talent like that. So with the Titans at number 22, um, it's interesting with the Titans. They had an interesting offseason. Um, they added, you know, they addressed their pass rush issues and some of their defensive line issues. I, I thought about, you know, I'm thinking about adding depth to that interior defensive line. I still think they could use help, um, you know, on the interior and stopping the run. Um, but I think the secondary is the more pressing need right now, um, given that they were bottom four and passing yards allowed, passing touchdowns allowed. Their secondary was absolutely horrendous um, this past season. So I, I'm i going to go with uh, the next best cornerback on the board, Greg Newsom, cornerback from Northwestern. Mm, interesting. Um, for, for the Titans. You look at what the Titans did. Um, they had to get rid of Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson, and they brought in um, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Who did they bring in? I'll find it real fast. But they brought in Jenkins or Janoris Jenkins. That's who I was thinking of um, to kind of fill that void. But he's not really a long-term replacement, um, and they need a lot of help in that secondary. Um, you know, you're going to be facing Trevor Lawrence probably and a lot of young talent on that Jacksonville team. Obviously, now that the Colts have Devontae Smith and all those receivers, I mean, it's a not an easy division to play in. Um, there are a lot of talented wide receiving cores. I think Newsom has a lot of upside. Um, what did I write down for him? Um, he has some durability concerns, but um, he, you know, he's fluid in his transitions. He's got natural instincts. He was coach hard in college, so he won't mind being coached hard by a guy like Mike Vabre, Mike Vrabel, who obviously loves defense, a defensive-minded coach. Um, I think um, he projects as a NFL starter. I'm not sure, you know, he might take, you know, more time to develop than usual, but why not just go out and solve one of your needs right away. Um, I think they could go a lot of different directions, um, but with the amount of depth that there is at the receiver position and the offensive line position, um, which were two other positions I had slated for them, um, I think you could wait on those positions and go ahead and get one of the top cornerbacks in the draft um, with Greg Newsom at 20 through 22. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a really good pick, but I, I was not expecting that. I actually had um, Asante Samuel as the, as my next quarterback uh, on my list, but he, but um, obviously Newsom was right behind him and um, really it's all about scheme fit when it comes to corners, really. I mean, you have guys who are, best suited in man coverage and just playing straight up. And you also have guys who 
need to be in zone. They just don't have the speed to just go man on man with some of these wide receivers in the NFL. So um, I think Greg Newsom is actually the best scheme fit that you could have picked right there. So um, nice, nice pick there. Um, okay. 23rd overall pick the New York jets are back on the board. So already picked Zach Wilson in the, uh, the number two overall pick. So now, okay, this, this is tough. I, uh, I think, I think I might go with Rashad Bateman wide receiver out of Minnesota. Um, you, you want to get Zach Wilson some receiving targets, um, some guys he can throw to and, and just throw it up to and trust. You already have Denzel Mims, obviously, and uh, what's his name? The, the slot guy. I, I'm i so bad with names tonight. I don't know what is wrong with me. I, I sound like an absolute noob, but um, it's just that kind of night. I, I probably will think of all these names like as soon as the podcast ends. I guarantee it. It's like, oh my goodness. Ugh, okay. Crowder, Jamison Crowder. There we go. Um, he's, obviously, he's in the slot already, but you put Rashad Bateman on the other side uh, across from Mims, and I think you have a really solid top three there um, in terms of wide receivers. And, and the rather young uh in terms of outside receivers, that would be an inter- that would be an interesting duo, in my opinion. Uh, those two guys who were um, have both have really good size and have similar skill sets, but I think they would really complement each other well. Okay, so um, Rashad Bateman, yeah, a lot of scouts are high on this dude. Um, played in a under a good coach, um, and um, P.J. Fleck, I believe, is Minnesota's head coach. Really good head right, coach. Right. And a really good conference with a lot of talented cornerbacks, um, including Gregory Newsom, who just picked right before him. So, um, yeah, I, I like that. Uh, the Jets, they need help in a lot of places, but give Zach Wilson or whichever quarterback they end up taking at two um, all the weapons he could ever ask for. Um, it never hurts to do that. Okay, so that brings us to the number 24 overall pick <laughs> with my uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, obviously, um, there are a lot of needs right now um, in the Steel City. Um, offense, um, offensive line is sort of a weakness right now. Um, and also the running back position is sort of an uncertainty as well. And then obviously I think they could add another cornerback maybe in the later rounds, maybe another pass rusher too. I'm not, or a linebacker for some linebacker depth, but uh, right now, um, given that they do have, they have, you know, I don't think there's an offensive lineman here that would be good value given that, you know, the Barrett Tuckers of the world and the Jenkins of the world and the Darisaw are all off the board. Um, and they're really in need of an offensive tackle. And the next best thing is Sam Cosme at out of Texas, who I like, but I think will likely end up going in the second round 
or maybe um, at the very end of the first. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm between Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, but I think I'm going to go with Najee Harris, um, the running back from Alabama. Um, obviously, Etienne is more of a home run hitting, explosive sort of runner who, when he hits that burst, good luck catching him type thing. And Harris is more of a run through you, pound it down your throat, um, you know, physical type of runner that I really like and I think really fits um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, we need to get back to pounding the football. Um, obviously, offensive line is going to play a huge part, but I think Harris, given his physicality, um, will be a perfect fit um, for the Steelers. Um, so we need we need that next bell cow. We need the next Le'Veon Bell. Um, so right there we go. Yeah, exactly. I I think you hit it right on the head there. I mean, um, obviously, I've seen a lot of mock drafts. Uh, I've watched so many over these past few weeks, and it seems like. Um, there's a different pick for the Steelers in every single mock draft that I've seen. Like they, there's a lot of uh, different directions that this team can go, but getting a running back, I think will raise the ceiling of, of the running game first and foremost. Um, I think obviously the offensive line matters, but I think for a long time y'all have leaned on the offensive line. And I think it's time you get a running back who will raise the offensive line like right. at the end of the day you still need a guy who can break it like just who can just every once in a while can just break one get a touchdown every once in a while like I, I just don't think James Conner had that type of explosiveness he was solid um but I think especially last year um he had he showed some limitations um in terms of athleticism so that's a, that's a really good pick there. I like that. Um, so now with the 25th overall pick, uh, just seven picks left now, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are back on the clock. They picked up Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick. And this is, this is an interesting spot because um, – I saw a lot of mock drafts where they actually traded down out of the first round. And obviously those were two round mock drafts. So that's, that, that worked a little bit differently. Um, and we're not doing trades today. So that obviously can't do that. Um, but I think, I think I'm going to make a pick that may surprise you. I'm going to go with, Hmm. I was thinking, uh, I was thinking tight end Pat Fryer moves, but I think that's a little bit too high uh, for uh, a tight end right now. I think he'll go early second round. I think that's just a little bit of a reach. Um, so I think this is really tough. Yeah, this these are the picks where it gets it gets hairy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. Okay, good one. Um I mean, he he fell a little bit um in terms of where a lot of mock drafts have him. I think this is just 
a the situation where you go with the best player available. I mean, I mean, you would have loved to have had gotten a wide receiver right here, but I think, like you said, as you said earlier, you alluded to earlier, this is such a deep wide receiver class. Um, I mean, I'm, I've heard from a lot of different draft analysts um, that I listen to that they're regarding this class as one of the deepest wide receiver draft classes of all time um, going into it. So um, I think you can get a wide receiver in the second or the third round um, that's that will have the same impact as any of these guys available right now. And getting Quiddy Pay to go opposite of Josh Allen, their other defensive end, um, I think obviously both guys have coming from Michigan, and I think they were teammates for a year, if I'm not mistaken. But um, they they both have very different skill sets. Uh, Quiddy Pay is a speed guy off the edge. He's he's not uh, as good at being a power guy. Um, that may be one thing that he needs to develop, but um, we saw uh, the Panthers defensive end last year. What, what's his name? Artie Burns. No, something Burns. I, I can't, I can't think of his name right now, but he had a fantastic year last year and he is a speed guy. He's a burner. So that makes me feel a little bit better about getting a guy who's a speed pass rush guy because I know that, um, a guy with his mold of player can be successful right away. And I think that's what they need. Okay. I think that's a, I think that's a good pick. You could, you got to have depth at the pass rush position so you can rotate those guys in and out and create constant pressure on the opposing team's uh, quarterback. Um, so this is where my prep kind of dropped off. <laughs> <laughs> um, these last couple picks because I just didn't have enough time in my schedule. But uh, for the Browns, I'd love to make a bad pick here, um, given that they're already, you know, so loaded and they're in my favorite team's division. Um, but I'll be respectful. Um, I don't, you know, they just added Jadavion Clowney. So they obviously aren't going to probably go pass rusher, at least with their first pick. Um, and they're so loaded now. They added pieces to the secondary, which kind of, was kind of the weakness of this team. Um, I think you could still add depth there. I mean, this is a pretty good all-around talented roster, in my opinion. They obviously don't need skill position help. They're set at quarterback. They're set up the offensive line. I think if they do make a pick here, it will be defense and it will likely be in the secondary. Um, so who's the next best corner on the board? Um, yeah, for me, it's Asante Samuel, but it might be different on your board. Let's see here. Um, I don't know. What do you think about Cleveland? I'm, I'm not really sure here. Um, um, I mean, I think – uh, they could go interior D-line. I think that could be pretty uh, beneficial for them. There's Christian Barmore still available. Um, I mean, you have – I mean, if you want to add uh, some yeah. – You know, I think I'll go Barmore. Um, okay, okay. 
I think that's a he's the top by far the top interior defensive line um, prospect on the board. Um, he'll he's solid. He's got you know pass rush ability, run stopping ability, uh, and it doesn't hurt to have depth on that. They're they're good at edge, but it doesn't hurt to you know have depth on that interior defensive line. Um, and I think he's probably one of the better better prospects here left on the board. And I think he's a for sure first round pick. And given that they spent a good amount of money in their secondary, although I think they could still add a depth piece later on, um, Barmore could be like a day one starter type thing. And that's what you really want out of your first, you want an immediate impact guy. And there's no guarantee that one of the secondary players, um, secondary, you know, corner safety could come in and be that for them. So um, Barmore, I think, is a good pick for Cleveland at 26. Right. And um, you you, uh, obviously – working to solidify every position on that D-line to go alongside Miles Garrett and alleviate some of that pressure on him. Um, You see that in a lot of different spots in the NFL. They they have duos now. You don't just have one guy uh, running that pass rush. You got to have a guy opposite him to take that pressure off. So I think think that really works there. Okay, next pick – on the board is the Baltimore Ravens up there. And I actually, this is one of the few picks later in the draft that I actually have something in mind for. Um, I'm going to go with Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma. And that, that might be a, a little bit surprising of a pick. Cause there's a lot of people that aren't very high on him, but um I actually, I watched a little bit of tape on him and I watched uh, Brett Coleman's video, who um, I think is one of the best draft analysts out there, in my opinion. He did a video titled, this guy is the most violent player in the draft that you've never heard of. And I mean, I watched that entire video and I was just thoroughly impressed by how just a lot of the plays, it just seemed like he just wanted to bury whoever he was blocking. He didn't just, uh, he didn't just push him down the field. He knocked him to the ground after the play was over and stood over him, stared him down, and was just, just nasty. I mean, having that guy in the locker room who's gonna be physical and set the tone on the offensive line at the center position. That's really important. And going back to how this fits for the Ravens, um, I think last year they were really, um, they were really hindered by what their offensive line struggled um, in the interior. Because obviously they have that running game where they, they, they run it a ton. So you need that offensive line solidified and ready to go and you throw him in there and you're immediately improving. Yeah, definitely. I think he's the best uh, center prospect on a lot of people's boards. So, you know, it, 
a lot of people I've seen have him going more in the second round. But hey, if, if they think he's, you know, it's all about how these teams, all these teams rate these different prospects differently. And if they have him high on their board, go ahead and take them. Right. Um, so for the Saints, this is an interesting, uh, interesting situation here. They were they came into the offseason in cap hell. Um, and they obviously, you know, Drew Brees retired. They lost a lot of pieces um, or they were forced to because they had to. They couldn't afford everybody. Um, um, I think here I'm not, you know, I haven't looked at a lot of mocks for the Saints. I think adding a, you know, linebacker in the middle of that defense could be nice. And there are two really talented players that I like at the linebacker position sitting right there. Um, you have Zabin Collins, the, the dude out of Tulsa, and you also have Jamin Davis, um, the kid out of Kentucky, who a lot of people are high on. Um, he has really nice upside, impressive size, speed athlete. Um, he's a magnet to the football. Um you know, I didn't do a whole lot of prep on, like, what the Saints need, but I know that they lost a lot. And I think given that Davis played in the SEC, he's experienced, he averaged 10.2 tackles per game um, and three interceptions uh, last year. Productive player, talented, upside. I think that's what I'll do here. Um, for the Saints, Jamin Davis, uh, linebacker from the University of Kentucky. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I, um, I saw a lot of uh, analysts have him fly up their boards. I mean, a lot of people are high on this guy, so I think that's a really solid pick. I mean, obviously, you have. Um, their, their linebacker core, they have uh, DeMario Davis and somebody else. Is it the guy from the 49ers that they traded for uh, last year? Um, I, I can't think of I his name. I was, right. But I, I, I'm terrible with names tonight. I apologize, everyone. But um, really good pick there. I mean, uh getting someone for the middle of that defense. I mean, I mean, for them to be successful next year, they, that defense has to play elite because you're going to have Janice Winston back there. And he, I mean, he's a question mark. Let's be honest. I mean, you, you gotta have a basically flawless defensive season if you're going to make the playoffs. So right. really good pick there. Okay. The next pick is the Green Bay Packers. Okay. Um, obviously, whenever the Green Bay Packers are on the board in the first round, um, the first thing anybody thinks of is, are they taking a wide receiver yet? And um, for me, as the in the spot of GM of the Packers, the answer is actually going to be no. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, hmm, this is, this is tough. I, 
You know what? I I think I'm going to go corner because okay. if you looked at what happened last year in that NFC Championship game, um, if you look at specifically Kevin King, he was torched. I mean, I mean, not only the PI to end the game. I mean, that wasn't that bad of a play, but um, that play where he got beat to end halftime. I mean, that was just terrible. I mean, he's not a bad player, but um, you need a depth piece to, in, in, in terms of certain matchups, to throw in certain situations and trust back there and, and to not give up that big play. And the pick here is going to be Asante Samuel Jr., um, obviously, the son of Asante Samuel, the longtime corner from the Eagles, um, is a guy who has amazing technique. Um, that's the that's the biggest thing that jumps off for me when I when I see Asante Samuel Jr. I mean, um, he played for Florida State last year. They weren't in the spotlight very much, but he was still playing a lot of high level receivers of receiving talent last year and he performed extremely well um, and the biggest thing is I think he has a lot of scheme versatility as well he he can man you up and you can trust him in in man coverage if you give him a little bit of about about five yards off I, I don't like him as much in press because he doesn't have this the uh and like sideline to sideline speed or not sideline sideline, just straight line speed basically to keep up with wide receivers, like say on a go route, but everything else, I mean, he has everything in the book. I mean, he, he's just technically sound. And I think um, he's one of those guys who has a high floor. Um, I don't think he's a player who may be uh, getting to pro bowls all the time, but He's a he's just a solid player who's going to be in the NFL a long time. Okay, I like that. Um, yeah, he's one of the definitely one of the top four, top five corners in the draft. There are a lot of um, cornerback needy teams as we've you know seen here. So, and if you can get a guy like that who has high upside this late um, for a team like Green Bay. Um, that'll do for me. Um, so we've come to, you know, as you mentioned, the teams that were in the championship games last year in the respective conferences. Um, and we come to the 30th overall pick with the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think for Buffalo, um, I think edge rusher, edge rusher, excuse me, is going to be in the equation. They were kind of middle of the pack in sacks last year. Um, I think actually running back could be in the in the conversation here. I don't think they'll go that route, but you know I'm not sure they have that home run hit as good as their offense was last year. I'm not sure they have like that bell cow, um, that bell cow running back that they can go to in the running game for 25, 30 carries a game. I like Devin Singletary, but I'm just you know. I think they could go running back, but I think they're going to end up adding to that defense. Sean McDermott obviously has a defensive background, and their defense could be um, 
could be shaky at times last season. Um, and we saw it in that Kansas City game. Um, I do think they need a little bit of help at the pass rusher position. Um, let's see, so Russo's off the board, Ojolari's off the board, Pay is off the board. Um, let's go. Let's go with uh, another guy a lot of people are high on. Um, was second team all ACC last year. He led Miami in tackles for loss and sacks. Um, Jalen Phillips, um, that outside linebacker from Miami. Um, I think their other edge rusher, uh, Hughes or something, is going to be turning like 34 or 35 next year. He's aging, still a solid player, but I think they could bring in more youth at the edge rusher position. And Phillips is a guy with high upside that I like. Um, so I'll go with uh, Jalen Phillips, um, the outside linebacker or edge rusher, whatever you want to call it, from Miami. Right. And the, he's a polarizing guy. He really is. Um, I mean, I see him on draft boards going anywhere from like 13 to like 40. I mean, he, right. I mean, it's all about the medicals with him. I mean, he, I mean, it's just the scare, the fact that if he gets one more concussion, he could be retired and out of the league. I mean, it, it's just a really tough situation for him. And I think if he stays healthy and he's able to get on the field, I mean, you're looking at extremely high value in terms of a late first round pick. So that's a that could be a home run selection. And I mean, you're late first round, you see that guy available. I mean, um, that's like that's kind of like a Michael Porter Jr. situation. A guy who has a lot of injuries or a a a lot of injury history, and uh you just take a flyer on him and see what happens because yeah. he has star potential. Um, another NFL draft analyst I really like. Um, from the athletic, Dane Brugler. He's a he's just a wizard when it comes to this stuff. Um, his evaluation of Phillips, and you basically hit it right on the head. He says, overall, Phillips has first-round talent with his body type, twitchy athleticism, and nose for the football. But the medical feedback will ultimately decide his NFL draft grade. He projects as a high-energy rusher similar to Ryan Kerrigan when healthy and Ryan Kerrigan is a really good player. So if he can just turn into that, maybe a more kind of a more athletic version of that, um, the bills, they're, they're obviously going to be in Super Bowl contention, but that just makes them even more um, scary. Right. Exactly. Um, as, a, as, after a threat, as a threat. Yeah, exactly. So we're down to the last two picks of our first, ever alternate um, mock draft. So uh, this belongs to the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. And this is pretty simple. Um, it's just best tackle available. Obviously, they cut Mitchell Schwartz and uh, what's his name? Gosh darn it. <laughs> um, he, he literally just got injured in the AFC championship game. Fisher, uh, Eric Fisher. Fisher, right. Eric Fisher, former uh, high draft pick. Uh, so 
it's just best tackle available. And for how the draft board shaped out, it's it's got to be um, Samuel Cosme. Wait, where is he? Oh, yeah, there he is. Samuel Cosme. He's still available right there. Easy. Sam Cosme, that was the pick. Right, Samuel Cosme. And they, they picked up Kyle Long. They picked him up out of uh, out of retirement. So if he turns out to be solid, then boom, you you uh, were able to move past that little hiccup there. I like that pick. Um, obviously, Cosme is a guy I'm sort of more familiar with um, since I – at Texas and I watch a lot of Texas football. Um, and I think this is kind of the range where a lot of like the top elite offensive tackles will be off the board, but Cosme will provide value right around this late, late first round, early second round um, spot um, where I think he'll be looking to go to, a, you know, a lot of teams that are still looking to add um, offensive line depth. Um, Cause that's really what it comes down to um, at this point. Once the Penny Sewells and the Christian Darasaws and the Rayshon Slaters are off the board. But as we've mentioned time and time again, it's a really deep offensive tackle, offensive line draft class. So go ahead and get some extra protection for Patrick Mahomes because we saw what happened in the Super Bowl. It was ugly. Um, so that brings us to the last pick um, of the first round, the Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they just have an unbelievable wealth of riches everywhere you look. Um, so it's honestly like best available on their board is who will they, they will be picking at this spot. Um, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? What are you thinking? I think I really like Travis Etienne at this spot. I mean, Ooh, okay. you look at speed, um, being able to catch out of the backfield. I think that I think Tom Brady will feast with that guy. You know, a one-two punt. Well, do they still have Fournette, and do they still have um, what's his name? Um, I know who you're Ronald talking Jones. about. <laughs> no, the, Ronald Jones and right. Uh, Fournette. Right. They uh, have but, Ronald Jones, but I believe Fournette is still a free agent as of right now. Okay. So given that information, I think that could be – I mean, obviously, Tom Brady's going to feast having a guy like pa Patrick Etienne who he can use – um, not only in the in the in the running game, but also in the in the passing game. That's kind of ETN's like one of his best traits is his ability right. to catch the ball and then take off um, his yards after catch type thing. Um, yeah, um, I think they're solid on the offensive line. They obviously got a Pro Bowl caliber talent last year, and uh, Tristan Worse who I think will eventually someday get there. Um, and they have a wealth of riches at receiver. They're loaded on defense, obviously. 
along the front seven and in the secondary. I think there's a lot of young, really good players in that secondary who just need um, more time to develop. So yeah, I think you convinced me to go running back here. Um, there's obviously another guy that a lot of people like going in the first round out of North Carolina and Javante uh, Williams, I think his right, name is. Right, exactly. But I think he's going to drop, you know, to early second round. So yeah, why not uh, add to your wealth of riches, Tom Brady, and uh, get Travis Etienne out right. of and, and another option would have been um, Christian Barmore if he was still available. I think that would have been a really good selection, just given the fact that uh, Sue is aging and he's also on the last year of his deal. So you could throw him in the following year as the starter to be the next guy. Um, but if you look at our picks here, is there anything that you would have liked to revise? I mean, there's, I mean, obviously we saw Devonte Smith fall, um, but I mean, I think this looks good, man. I think we made a lot of good picks here. I think, I think for the first time that we've done this, I mean, obviously last year, we did, we put our heads together and we prepared a full mock draft beforehand. Right. Uh, where we both, you know, did that. Um, but I think for the first time doing this, we did a really good job um, looking at needs and then putting, you know, a bit to that need for most of these picks. Um, I don't know. I think I need more time to like, I can't spontaneously look at all of this and, you know, point out anything I would necessarily revise, but maybe on our next episode, we can come back to this and um, look at, you know, maybe what we would change. Um, well, given well like, one thing I'd say right off the bat, like the first thing I look at um, from looking at this draft board is uh, um, Devontae Smith at 18, possibly to the Dolphins. I mean, obviously Elijah Vera Tucker, I mean, you want to really solidify the offensive line. Um, and sure, you have Will already Fuller drafted. already there. So I think the argument against that would be that they have similar skill sets already. But so, they are, I already picked Jamar Chase um, oh, at, right. at, at six. So that's why I didn't go receiver. Um, so I think it would be either – offensive line as I went or mm. um, defense and something that really something that really jumps off the page to me is uh, Zavin Collins the linebacker from from Tulsa who right. is mocked high in a lot of mock drafts yeah didn't go in this but you know there's always the amount of talent that is in this draft um, there's always going to be someone who who drops unexpectedly. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think, obviously, either way, Smith was a definite surprise. I think we just kind of forgot about him. Right. Uh, and I think I just assumed he was off the board. I think if I were to pick now, I think I would take him at 19 for the Washington football team. I think I think that, that would, would be sense. the choice there. That would make sense because their defense is already really good. Um, they already have a really good linebacker 
uh, Will Holcomb, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So that's already solidified. Their defense is already fantastic. So I think I think Devontae Smith was the move there. I think I just assumed he was off the board for some reason. I just yeah, it's had easy, a brain fart. <laughs> easy to lose track. Um, but just to recap before we sign off, this was our full first round mock draft 1.0. We alternated selections. Um, just to give a quick recap, five quarterbacks going in the top 15, as we mostly expect. Um, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields going one, two, three. Kyle Pitts off the board at four to the Falcons. That's the best non-quarterback prospect possibly in the draft. And then you have offensive line help for the Bengals with Penny Sewell um, from Oregon. Um, Jamar Chase from the Dolphins give to us some wide receiver help at six. Um, Emmy went with Rayshon Slater, the offensive tackle from Northwestern, the Lions, um, Dan Campbell, you know, ground and pound type thing, mindset for Detroit. I think that fits really well. Um, I went with Jalen Waddell for the Panthers, um, another depth piece at wide receiver for a Sam Donald to utilize or a Teddy Bridgewater, whoever might be the starter there. Um, and then Trey Lance dropped to number nine. So I, I gave him, I gave the Broncos Trey Lance. He can come in, compete day one with Drew Locke. Um, I still think Drew Locke will be the starter, but hey, you never know. And then Emmy went with Patrick Sertain, the cornerback from Bama. And that is a recap of the top 10. I will try and like make this available to you guys on Twitter. I'm going to try to like put it in like a PDF form or something like that, post it on Twitter so you, or somewhere. All right. Maybe guys, take a screenshot and yeah, put the picture and up. You guys can see it. Um, and obviously this was a pretty long episode, but um, you can obviously go to our selections, um, fast forward, do whatever you need. But um, this was really fun. I really enjoyed this. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much going to do it. Right. I hope y'all enjoyed this. And uh, leave a like if you enjoyed, obviously. And uh, I was looking at the statistics the other day, and about uh, half of our viewers aren't subscribed. So if, you, if you're watching this right now, go ahead and hit that red button. You know you want to. It's right there. It's free. It takes like one second. Um, we want to grow our channel. And... Um, we're, we're really working hard to do prep and, and make the content uh, high quality. So, um, yeah. Uh, with, with all that being said, uh, thanks for watching, and we'll see you all in the next one. Peace.